Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast, our mission to share God's love through the truth of His Word. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. We have a number of awesome, entirely free resources at getyourloveon.org. They're all there to build your faith and build your knowledge of God Almighty. And through that, we know we will stand and we will be victorious because that's what God wants for us. You can, of course, reach out to the show, ask questions, get your answers, and much, much more, all at getyourloveon.org. We have a great show for you in this episode. We're talking about faith, high faith, life-changing faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word. Why? Christ was the Word made flesh. That's why getting more Word, getting more Christ in our hearts and minds builds our faith and gives us that great eternal victory, both in this life and, of course, the one to come. So let's find out what happens when a certain woman who'd been very badly mistreated by the medical industry, and in this particular example, it is the medical industry that mistreated this woman, um, but there's a plenty, of, plenty of industries of the world that mistreat those who are seeking answers and solutions. And God wants us to know he is the answer. He is the solution. So this woman, she'd been badly mistreated by the medical industry. She finally stopped pursuing health the worldly way, and she got a hold of the word. We're going to Mark 5. We're starting in verse 24. It says, and Jesus went with him, speaking with a man that was asking Christ to heal his daughter. So Christ was on his way to heal someone else. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. He was just surrounded because he'd been doing all these incredible miracles and everybody wanted to be part of that. But notice how they thronged him and they were just kind of onlookers, okay? This is an important factor here. It says in verse 25, And a certain woman, which had had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. <laughs> I mean, isn't this what we're seeing going on right now? It's incredible. You know, Satan always tries to force feed fear and induce reactions, acting like, oh, this is something new. This is a new crisis. This is a new problem. No. What's going on right now with this global pandemic and, and the many questions and, and the rhetoric? the very destructive rhetoric that's going on right now, <laughs> Satan would try to have it be like, oh, this is new. We got to be fearful and scared. No, this is nothing new. This is in the word. There is a woman who suffered many things of many physicians. You could put in pharmaceutical companies in here. You could put in the mainstream media in here. You could put in anything. Suffered many things of many fill-in-the-blanks. And she'd spent all that she had. She'd given her all. She'd done everything she was told to do and was nothing bettered but grew worse. That's the world for you. If you give your all to the world, things will only get worse, okay? That's reality. She had given all her living to, quote, worldly cures, and it made everything worse. Okay, let's go to verse 27. 
and let's see what happens when she tries a different tactic. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. What a glorious revelation that God gave this woman. Anybody you know waiting on healing? Maybe they need to just simply declare this. Reach out to Christ and you shall be whole. Have you done this yet? Well, give it a shot. And I'll tell you, that's the only shot anyone needs. That's right. Reach out to Christ. Get a hold of him. And he will make you whole. That's his promise. So verse 29, it says, so she did this. She reached out, surrounded. Imagine this in your mind. Christ is surrounded with people, but she pressed through. She navigated through that huge crowd of onlookers because she knew she needed God. And she pressed through and got to him. (laughs) Just touched the hem of his garment. And it said in verse 29, here's the results of her effort, of her effort in that regard. Now compare it to the 12 years previously where she had suffered much, she had given her all, and grew worse, okay? Now she reaches out, she touches Christ's hem. Here's what happens, verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Boom. Thank you, Lord. No more science experiments on this faithful lady. She was healed. And guess what? There's more. Verse 30, it says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Isn't this incredible? God Almighty knows when one of us are reaching out to grab a hold of him. And and consider this, if Christ felt this lady's faith, how much more will he hear and know your faith when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? When we have Christ's spirit within and the authority and the hope and the courage in us, how much more is he going to hear our faith? We're not just reaching out to touch his clothes We're looking in, we're praying in the Holy Spirit and asking him for all things and more. So how much more is Christ going to attend to our faithfulness when we press through the the circumstances, when we turn away from the worldly experimentations and the worldly way of doing things and just reach out, grab our word and believe that we are whole through Christ. If you would like to know more about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, go to getyourloveon.org. We have many resources for you and they're gonna bless you so much. You'll just, you'll feel so good about having the knowledge of God in your soul. It's awesome. Okay, so Christ recognized that, wow, somebody just touched my clothes. (laughs) That's how sensitive Almighty God is to each one of our faithful actions, each one of our faithful movements. He sees it. He feels it. He knows it. He's so wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Okay, verse 31, it says, And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest, Who touched me? (laughs) Yeah. 
from their perspective, that's a fair question. But Christ, again, he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't see the the big crowd around him. He sees the one faithful soul desperately wanting her healing and doing everything to get to God to get her healing. So be like this woman. Do what you need to do to get your healing, to get your revelations, to get your life where you know God has it to be. Because God has love, joy, peace, victory, confidence, courage for each one of us. That's what he has for us. So all we need to do is reach out and get a hold of the Lord and he'll give all of that to us. But God never looks at the big crowds. He looks at that one faithful soul and answers them. So uh, 32, verse 32, we're in Mark 4. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Christ felt her faith, recognized it as the key to her healing, and then gave these very important instructions. Number one, be at peace. In other places in the word, and you're going to hear that in today's uh, featured message, let this mind be in you. Be at peace. That's, that's instruction from God to be at peace and to let the mind of God be in you and to seek God for that peace and to seek God that when there is throngs of people and there's a crowd and that mob mentality seems to be descending on any circumstance, but if this is happening in your life in particular, this is really important to be at peace, to go to the word and allow the peace of God to fill your heart, mind, and soul. And Christ told her, and be whole of thy plague. Be whole. Don't let anyone take your healing from you. Don't let anyone convince you to jump back on the hamster wheel of the quote medical industry or whatever it is. If you have an overcoming and if you've pressed through and you've gotten to God, don't let anyone take that away from you ever. Be whole, Christ said. How do we do that? By sticking real close with God Almighty, having the infilling of the Holy Spirit and not letting that spirit leak out. We're going to hear more about that today as well. So stay tuned. But don't ever let anyone convince you to jump back into fearfulness, jump back into the spending all you have and growing worse. That's what Christ was saying here, hon. You're whole and be whole. Stick with it. Stick with me. We got this. So it is up to us to be at peace and to be whole. And that's why we build our faith, to recognize when someone or some circumstance is trying to take our peace, or peel away at a layer of our confidence and our hope and our healings. We can't allow that. God doesn't want it for us. So let's stick to it. We've got our, we've got our word. We've got the examples in our word. And we know that God Almighty is victorious and we get to walk in that victory. We have such a good show for you today. Uh, we have one on how to be at peace and be whole 
In fact, we have a father and son combo. Now, you know Brother Bob. You've heard him on this podcast many times. He was a true apostle. And his son, John, has a very similar straight shooting message on faith. This message was recorded for a ministry a few years back, but you are just going to enjoy it. Here's our friend, John. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, how do we get out of this predicament that we've been in? Because the predicament that the, the folks there in Jerusalem were in was they had killed the prophets and they'd killed their own Messiah. And that, that's what Peter was telling them. He says, you've, you know, you've, you've killed him. So, well, how do we get out of this? Then Peter said unto them, repent, change your mind, change your way of thinking, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the, the complete forgiveness for the complete removal of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. There's a popular saying, and you've heard it, many are called, but few are chosen. Well, the call goes out, but few are chosen because there's only few that answer, really truly answer the call. <laughs> and it's the Lord calling them. It's not anybody's own, really not even anybody's own decision because the Lord either opens that door or he shuts it. And I can prove it if we go into Luke 13 and 14, somewhere in there. I can prove that. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward or crooked generation. John the Baptist came before Christ. He said, make straight the paths of the Lord. In other words, get your, straighten out your crookedness and make the way for him straight into you. A lot of things were said by the spirit. And once you have that infilling of the Holy Spirit, you're going to understand this word like you've never thought possible. And I can vouch for it. Because every time I go to an area in the book here that I haven't been in for a while, the Lord always shows me something interesting and new. And it's great. It's always endlessly exciting then. Because there's infinite applications of the same scriptures to all the different situations that you go through in life. And it's just wonderful. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, it wasn't the baptism of John either. It was the baptism of Jesus Christ. Once these men here were full of the Holy Ghost, and they could go and baptize and fill other people with the Holy Ghost, which previously had not been done before. There were only a few people that actually had the Holy Ghost during that time. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, Elizabeth, Zachariah. and Zechariah. They had to have it so that the children could have it. Uh, John the Baptist had to have it so that there was somebody holy enough to baptize Christ himself. And then when Christ died, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, gets sent back, flying right back into this uh, natural body here, occupies all the dead space and all the dead air and, and gets rid of all the wrong spirits. It'll get the religious spirit out of your body, out of your mind, out of your soul. It'll get any of the world and all, all of its BS out of you and replace it with that cup that runs over it, full of the water of the word and the Holy Ghost that teaches you all things, all the things you need to know. And we need to know. Yeah, it's on a need to, to know basis and we need to know. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Not the ones who sat around and, well, I'll think about it. Well, they're, they're still thinking today. They're still thinking, boy, I could have been in a better habitation now if I'd have just been baptized. A lot better. They're still thinking about it, by the way. 
Uh, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Mm -hmm. So you've got a workforce now. It started with about 120 in that upper room in the day of Pentecost when it fully came. Mm -hmm. uh, and now you've got about 3,120. Mm -hmm. So that's a good workforce. That's a good start of a good church, all filled with the Holy Spirit. A true church works like this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, the fear of the Lord, the only fear that you're supposed to have. Jesus told them, fear not, other than fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. The meaning of life is in the Bible. It's at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, written by a very, very wise man, the preacher, Solomon. And he said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. It's a holy, healthy fear. It keeps all the wrong spirits from coming in and occupying that space. It's supposed to be occupied by nothing else other than the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So that would increase people's faith then, wouldn't it? To see those signs and wonders being done, to see God actually working, and those miracles actually being done. That increases your faith as well. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And if we go over to Acts 3.16, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter and John had just healed a man by the power of the Holy Ghost and actually gave a lot of credit to the faith of the man who had enough faith to be healed. Because this man had seen Peter and John doing the work of the Lord. The true work of the Lord needed to be done in Jerusalem. It really did. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, had backslidden so far that they were not doing the work of the Lord anymore. They were not healing the sick. They were not raising the dead, physically or spiritually, by the way. They were not healing the, the sick either, physically or more importantly, spiritually, by the way. They were not doing it. They were not healing the sick, raising the dead, or helping anyone. They were hurting them. They weren't pastors anymore. They were pesterers. And Jesus couldn't stand them. He couldn't even stand the sight of them. And all they did was pester him. If, if you want to put it lightly, there's much uh, stronger words. And Jesus ha did had to have some harsh words for them. Vipers. He called them vipers, hypocrites, snakes, dumb dogs. And Jesus himself had plenty to say about them through the Spirit, through his prophets, even back in the Old Testament. He called them dumb dogs. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it had become. He was already sick and tired of them when they'd backslide. You can look at it in Isaiah 56, 56, 10. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They stay that way and keep the people that way. That's not what we're about here. We're here to give you knowledge because knowledge is power. You are supposed to have knowledge and supposed to have power over all sin, sickness, and disease and power to cast out devils heal the sick, raise the dead, not only physically, which is great and, and does happen, but more importantly, spiritually, their souls are dead and need that resurrection power. See what I mean? Most people think with their natural minds, well, the word says this, and they think about the, the physical aspect of it, because that's all their natural mind can understand. But when you get the spiritual side of it, and you begin to see it that way, you go, oh, that's what he really meant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. 
Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. Send us our money and we'll pray for you. You see it on cable all the time. Send us a love gift and, and our prayers will be with you. That's not how it works. <laughs> we'll pray for you. If you call us up and say, look, I need prayer. We'll get right on our knees right now and pray for you. <laughs> yeah, freely given, freely received, not send us this and, and read our book and our other books about all this other doctrines that we made up and, and be distracted away from the true word of God. See, uh, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. You know, and if Jesus Christ through Isaiah, the prophet said this, he's absolutely 100% accurate. They can never have enough. And they are shepherds, pastors that cannot understand. It's like I said earlier, they were not giving these people anything because they didn't have it to give. That's where the situation found itself. They all look to their own way. Well, this is a cushy job. All I have to do is give this canned sermon every week from the hierarchy and religious corporation, you know, dictates. They send me this, this roll of red tape and we go ahead and just tape people's heads up with it. They wrap it around their eyes, their ears, their mouth, their nose, everything. So that you have, uh, you know, a, a building with, you know, a guy sitting up behind a, some kind of wooden platform. And then you have a bunch of walking tree stumps sitting down on a pew somewhere. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his gain from his quarter. What, what happened to God's gain? What happened to giving all the glory to God? What happened to just simply loving one another mm -hmm. like they were instructed to do? Come you, they say, I will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink. We'll get drunk on something else. Not just physical wine here. Some other mixed up concoction, some other doctrine. Maybe it's another testament of Jesus Christ. We don't need another one. We've got the only one we need. We've got enough to get us into glory here. We don't need some other book, some other doctrine. And tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. But that's a deception. That's a lie. Oh, tomorrow's going to be even better than today. Not if you're hungover. See what I mean? Not if your mind's so clouded by all that other strong drink going out, out there. It wasn't strong drink that Jesus wanted for his people. He wanted the water of the word. Remember he told the woman at the well, he says, I'm going to get you a water where you'll never thirst anymore. But he wasn't talking about her physical thirst because her mouth was dry from the dust of Samaria. No, you're never going to have to thirst again because you're going to get everything you need from the water of this word. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It didn't say rivers of strong drink and a bunch of alcohol. See what I'm saying? These guys had a substitute for what the Lord really had, didn't they? Their alcoholic beverage, so to speak, versus the water of the word. And that's just a good way to, you know, draw a good distinction between the two. Mixed wine. Don't seek after the mixed wine, like it says in uh, Proverbs. Mm -hmm. A strange concoction. One that doesn't come from the source. You got to go to the source to get it. Thanks for that. That was, you know, that, that's an interesting point. You know, she can throw a scripture at me and we can just start anywhere. I didn't plan this. I just sit down and have a few guidelines. And then whatever comes along by the Spirit, that's what gets taught. Let's go over to Ephesians. Now, chapter 4, please. You know, Ephesians is one of the most fantastic books in the New Testament. It has so many promises that are available to all of us. And by God, we're going to have 
every one of those promises that's in this book. I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking now, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You are worthy. If you walk that way, the word also says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You think one way, that's how it's going to go. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, it's good advice, endeavoring, oh, making some effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It says in another place that charity is the bond of perfectness. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That true love in action is the bond of perfectness. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I'll tell you something. That one baptism is going to do away with confession every weekend for the rest of your life. And if you happen to stumble over some, oh, Lord, forgive me. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He's the, the priest, the high priest forever and for everyone. He made the ultimate sacrifice once for all, for everyone. The high priest the one high priest you need to go to, he's the one you confess to, not somebody with a funny collar or a, or a silly looking hat, right? No amount of silly looking hats is going to get me an inch off the ground. It's what do I do? You know, how do I nourish my soul? How do I get fed? Well, here it is. It's the source and that holy communion between me and the Father through the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation that's speaking in an unknown tongue. All right. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He should be in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He gives you that measure of the gift of Christ at the beginning. And then it, he just keeps measuring it out as you go. There isn't a limit. There isn't a measured limit. I can't think of anybody on this planet, even a an astrophysicist or a theoretical astrophysicist that can measure God. They haven't been able to do that yet. <laughs> Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And that's that could be a whole other message in itself. Now, that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill or fulfill all things. That's an interesting verse. That verse 10, you could circle that one forever because it, not only does it talk about how he went into the lower parts of the earth after his crucifixion and spoke unto the, the spirits of those that had passed on as though they were men, the righteous ones. And he brought them out of that captivity because once he did that, he opened up a place that is far above all heavens. It's called glory. Maybe you've heard about it. Mm -hmm. That's where the throne is. It's the highest habitation you can go. It's far above all heavens. Mm -hmm. He ascended up far above all heavens. So if anybody's ever preached you into heaven, then they've actually have <laughs> gypped you out of the best that God has for you and preached you into a lower habitation than that which you're supposed to have. Now, this ministry here is what it describes here in verse 11. And he, who? Who's he? God set it up this way. We're going to look at the way God set it up. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting 
of the saints. Dead ones? I don't think so. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's hold it right there for a second. This is called the fivefold ministry. And you may have heard a little bit about what that is. An apostle is a man of God, somebody that's like Paul, somebody that goes out and establishes a church and is also an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Somebody that has the mind of the Lord so sharp in them and has so much vision and revelation and has such an anointing that he can go out and establish churches and be a man of God in the very person of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's all backed up by the Word. I'm not going to tell you anything that I don't have Scripture to back up. And that's another interesting thing about this ministry, too, is none of these folks here are going to tell you anything that comes out of their own mind, or this is one of their own philosophies. We all have unity, which it talks about in the next verse. Okay, this is the way that God set it up. Now, religion will tell you, well, there's no one that can fulfill the role of an apostle today. Strike one among their other many nine strikes that they have against them right from the get-go. Okay, this is the way that God set it up. And this is the way that it's supposed to be now. One of man's, and I, I use the term man loosely, one of man's best ideas for them in order to get away from the true responsibility of fulfilling the true uh, desire of God is to give God distance. Oh, well, he's either way back there in the past or he's oh, off some sweet day in the future. No. Right now is the day of salvation. That's what the word says. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Back in Hebrews 3 and 4, it just goes on and on. And some prophets, God's mouthpiece, God speaks through his people today. And I would bet you at the end of this meeting, you're going to hear some people speaking the mind of the Lord for you, to you personally. Prophecy. Mm -hmm. Through the gift of prophecy. It's also a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Okay, and some evangelists, we know what that is, a man who travels and, and brings revival, wins new souls, and also brings backsliders back up where they need to be if they're willing to make the effort. And some pastors and teachers. Most religions and most churches think that they can get away with just a pastor or teacher. If you go, go in and ask them sometime, where's the apostle in charge of this ministry? You'll hear something like this. Oh, well, there's no one that can fulfill the role of an apostle today. That would make that person telling you that a big fat liar. Because I'm looking at an apostle right now. There's one looking right at her. And her husband, my father, was an apostle. He was the apostle that got this branch of, of the ministry that we know of going because the Lord showed him that's what he needed to do. And by God, he did it. And by God, we're carrying it on that way. That's the way it is going to, to, to work. Pastors and teachers. Okay. So now we have the way that God set it up. We're going to cover this very thoroughly for the perfecting of the saints. There's a big lie that the devil puts out that says nobody's perfect. Eh, strike two. It's an absolute lie of the devil. When Matthew 5.48, Jesus said, Be you perfect. You do it. Be you perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. How? Through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You get baptized, you get full of that Holy Ghost, and that's what perfects you, makes you, by definition, perfect, complete, 
and whole. What's missing in people that are imperfect or a part of that, their soul is missing is because they don't have that Holy Spirit to complete them and to make them whole. No one's ever told them that they could. No one's ever told them that they should. And nobody's ever required it. Well, I'll tell you what, Apostle Paul required things of the saints. He, he, he had certain requirements. And Jesus himself, his requirements are all over the place. If thou wilt be perfect, sell that you have, get rid of all your unnecessary dead weight, all the cares of this world, choking your spirit out, put me first. You know, Jesus told him, eyes up here, look at me. Don't look at anything else. There's all kinds of distractions out there. If thou wilt be perfect, sell that you have and give to the poor. In other words, get out and get ministering. <laughs> the poor in spirit. Feed them. Jesus told his disciples, you feed them. Well, we've only got a boy's lunch here. We'll start dividing it out and we'll see how that goes. Well, they ended up feeding 4,000 one time and 5,000 another time. All he had to do was get the ball rolling. Most people don't know where the ball is. And even if they do, they don't know how to get it rolling. Well, here we go. Sell what you have, give to the poor, take up your cross, which you're going to go through some things, mm -hmm. and follow me. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, see, in he or heavenly places. Jesus used the word heaven a lot because it wasn't until after his, his crucifixion and resurrection that glory. that glory was opened up. So he had to use a measurement of time and space or a certain description of a habitation to get his point across because Jesus wasn't instructed to tell them glory right away. Peter and Paul both were both able to, to bring glory into a certain light. And even in the Old Testament, glory is there. His glory is above the heavens. His glory is above heaven and earth, it would say, in the Psalms and in, and in different places. David knew a lot about the kingdom of God, and he's a great one to study. So we've got that. We've got glory. Okay, for the perfecting of the saints. Okay, for the work of the ministry. How are you going to do the work of the ministry if you don't have the perfecting of the saints? Now, this is something that the Lord showed us a long time ago. These are the steps that Paul outlines by the Spirit. So here are the steps. First, you have the fivefold ministry, okay? Then you have the perfecting of the saints. Then you can do the work of the ministry, not just a ministry. There are plenty of quote-unquote ministries out there. There's lots of them. An outreach ministry, a music ministry. Uh, a homeless feeding ministry. And those are all fine. Philanthropy is great in the world. But to do the real work of the ministry, first you have to have the perfecting of the saints. And equipping goes along with the meaning, the literal translation of perfecting here. Okay, so it's, it's making them complete, whole, perfectly equipped to do the job. Whereas you've got a lot of pastors out there in the religious world, in their own natural minds, having not the spirit, who go around saying, well, you know, this is what everybody's doing, you know, do our thing and you'll be just keep sinning, keep confessing every week and you'll, and that's what everybody does. So that's what, you know, okay, well, the lemmings all go off the cliff because they're all lemmings and the, the other lemmings are doing it. So why shouldn't the other lemmings go too? And it's, it's kind of the way that the Lord views the religious world out there or the natural churches, because they're just doing their little ceremonies. Religion is a substitute for salvation, mm -hmm. your salvation. Mm -hmm. You can be religious as all get out, but the word even says, even the devils believe and tremble. Really? They believe and tremble? 
Maybe they believe in, well, where would you found to be believing and trembling? In a church somewhere? Yeah. Even devils go to church. Not around here they don't, though. That's the difference. This church stays clean and holy like the word prescribes. And Paul is the doctor in charge of prescribing this formula. This is the Rx for success today. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Doc. <laughs> yeah, let's write a prescription for holiness today and for your salvation, not some religion. You don't have to be bound by those uh, by man's rules and regulations. The Word even says they, they teach for doctrines the commandments of men. What happened to the commandments of God? Where did they fall? By the wayside? Okay, then, you, then if you can do, really do the work of the ministry, then you have the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, isn't it about time that that happened? What happened to that lately? You want to go somewhere where you feel edified at the end of a message and where you got more than just two little scriptures up on a giant screen to make them seem bigger? Whoa, okay. And then, then they talked about sports or current events or entertainment tonight for an hour and a half? No. Okay. Then here's the next step. Till when we're going to keep doing this verse 12 until verse 13 happens, till we all come in the unity of the faith. There's that word again, faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Perfect here, mature. There's nobody out there that can tell me the Bible doesn't mean what it says. It's in English. And nobody can tell me, well, there's something lost in the translation. No, this is the translation that God appointed and anointed men way back in the, in the days of King James to translate this the way we needed to understand it. And God knew exactly what he was doing when he picked those men out personally to do this. Mm -hmm. And we're sticking to this version. Not any other watered-down NIV or NAS or any of that other stuff. There's nothing new under the sun, so a new King James doesn't do me much good. Yep, this is, in fact, the closest to the original transcripts in the English language, albeit a few archaic words are still in here, the these and thous. If you can get past that, you'll be doing just fine. You don't have to worry about it. Plus, once you have the Holy Ghost to interpret it for you personally, it will teach you all things that you need to know. It'll show you exactly what you need personally, as an individual, to get what you need out of this word anyway. And sitting around and being taught is fine, and that's great. We have fellowship, we have a good message, and we have a recording Then we can pass on to others. And that's fine too. Getting it on your own, that's, that's a whole different thing. It's a glorious thing. It really truly is. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's really something. Now we're really talking about something that is really something. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's quite a stature. That means that you're not 900 feet tall. You're not 9,000 feet tall. You're not 9,000 kilometers tall. You're 900 zillion miles tall. You're eternity big. There is no, um, you're infinity big. There is no limit to it. That's what the measure is. It's got to be a measure because there is no measurement. There's no limits to it. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, here's, here's the kicker in the next verse. That we, you notice Paul didn't say, well, I. He included everybody in his statement. That we, henceforth, from now on, be no more children, not children of the world, or 
little children who don't have any experience, that we be no more children. Remember back here, perfect meant also mature and well-equipped. Mm -hmm. A child is not well-equipped to deal with life, nor are they mature enough to deal with the responsibilities of adulthood, <laughs> let alone Christian adulthood, right? This is where the religious world finds themselves. They find themselves children tossed to and fro, back and forth, carried about with every wind of doctrine, a bunch of hot air, not out of somebody's belly by the Holy Ghost, those rivers of living water. No, wind, <laughs> bunch of hot air by the slight of men. Well, that doesn't come from God. If it comes from men, it's not of God. And slight is trickery. Somewhere along the line, all the way back from Isaiah's day, obviously, even until now, and it's only gotten worse, all of that time's gone by, and the mind of man has gotten in there and replaced God's true salvation with just a bunch of doctrines of men, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. One more time. Uh-huh. Slight of men and cunning craftiness. You know, they write all kinds of books and have their substitute for the word, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Mm -hmm. The Lord says in his word that he's going to make you the head and not the tail, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted being knit together, compacted, being knit together, by that which every joint supplieth. Every one of you is just as important as she is, or Tom is, or I am, or Leah, or whoever. Even your little children are just as important because they're the ones you're, you're going to pass things on to, and they're the ones that are going to be bringing in new souls as well, not just us. Every joint supplies. According to what? the effectual working in the measure of every part, whatever God's anointed you to do as an individual works. That's what Paul is saying. What works is when God has individual personalities anointed to do the work of God, that God has anointed them to do according to their own personality. In other words, you don't have to be some religious clone or some religious robot that goes in, wears a certain kind of clothes, has a certain kind of haircut, it has the same syrupy, sweet, funky, rel religious style, uh, what they call evangelical attitude now. They've taken, you know, that word and made it a, a dirty one. You know, the devil knows how to twist words around. But the word of God isn't twisted in this ministry. And there's plenty of ways that man has figured out to twist the word of God to suit his own purposes. And to suit the purposes of a substitute spirit. There's the true Holy Spirit, which we have, and then there's a religious spirit, which is just a religious substitute for what God truly has. Everything that God has, the devil has a substitute for. He's a master at giving you something else other than what you're really supposed to have, and it falls short every time. Religion is a huge substitute. The effectual working in the measure of every part, every part is every individual one of you, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That charity there, that's love in action. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. He's, Paul is saying, I'm serious about this. I testify in the Lord. 
it means I'm dead serious that you henceforth from now on walk not as other Gentiles. He was talking to some Gentile folks, the Ephesians here, the Ephesian people from Ephesus. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The other scripture said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let it. Yeah. Yeah. So that mind comes in and it takes completely over. Your mind goes straight out the window. Your flesh goes down under that ground, buried with him in baptism, like it says in Romans. And you walk in the spirit then and not after the flesh. It says in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, why isn't that taught in churches? What they teach in churches now is, well, we're all sinners and we're never going to be perfect, but we'll just keep repenting. Uh Uh-uh. That's absolutely anti-scripture and anti-God. You've got to keep moving on with the Lord and the Lord will only tolerate so much repentance. And then, well, it says, if they shall fall away after knowing the truth of, of the scripture, being filled with the Holy Spirit, if they shall fall away to renew them under repentance to dead works. And they, they crucify to themselves again, the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Unfortunately, that's what so-called churches out there in the world do every single day of the week. There's no more sacrifice for sin. He doesn't want their sacrifices anymore. He doesn't want their repentance anymore. The word says to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken, to listen up than the fat of rams. They used to burn the fat of rams back in the old sacrifices, back in the old Testament. The word also says, no man desires the new wine for they say the old is better. Good old time religion. That's the old wine. Jesus brought the new wine when he made the water wine at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. He brought the new wine in and the the folks said, boy, this wine sure is good. He's kept the good wine until now. That was the new thing. Ordinarily, the old wine was better, but the new wine that Jesus brought went against the grain and was good right from the Mm get-go. The type of that spirit. That's the strong drink we ought to be drinking. That new wine and the water of the word. You can be drunk in the spirit and you don't have to have any kind of fleshly lust to go along with it. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, a holy, healthy thing. To tell you the truth, it's kind of what I'm feeling now. You know, I get so fired up because I'm so passionate about what I believe in. It, it's awesome. We were in uh, 17. So we don't have to walk as other Gentiles walk anymore. <laughs> we can run the race with patience. They Back there, they were just walking. Walking through the dirt, walking through the dust. That's why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He washed the part of them that was closest to the world, and get all that world off of them. It's one way to look at it. Water baptism definitely does that. Peter said, also my hands and my head. Well, here we get to take care of that all at once. You get full immersion, buddy, and your your whole body gets covered. You don't have to go to confession anymore. You don't have to worry about being a sinner because you're not going to be one. And nobody around here considers that, that you are one anyway. You see what I'm saying? We don't come in with that attitude like... You know, I'm the pastor and you're the sinners and you need to jump at my command and you stay right here under my thumb. No, it's not a one-man show. It, it, it's, that's not how it works. Okay? The vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened. Jesus is that light. And that light 
is the same light where God said way back in Genesis, let there be light. And he saw the light and he saw that it was very good. You're darn right, it's very good. Okay, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness or the hardening of their heart. Boy, because of the ignorance, alienated from God, alienated from the life of God, that resurrection power, because of or through the ignorance that is in them. There's no ignorance in here. In, in these not people, with not with God. Mm-mm. There's so much valuable information in this word. There's enough to keep you from being ignorant many, many millions of times over. Uh-huh. And it, it, it just goes on to rip into them here. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. A lot of people blame God. Well, why would, why would a merciful God punish me so much? Because you will not keep his commandments and you don't understand why you should. They don't know anything about it. And it's, it's, it's sad and pathetic. Uh, over here in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and in verse 8. Well, no, let's go back to verse 2 because I just have, I just have to have some, uh, at least a little bit of background on where I'm going to go. Uh, Peter gives his greeting. He says, grace and peace, the first two things that should be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See, that knowledge of what God is like and <laughs> having, and you personally knowing God, having that knowledge is, is important. According as his divine power, there's a great word. There's a, a, a word that I love, that power. You got power, man. Has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It doesn't say all things that pertain unto flesh and sinfulness. That's where it's ended up in the world these days. Let's get back to the old landmarks, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, let's do unto life and godliness, not sinfulness. And pray for us sinners. Well, why do people why do people claim sin in their lives? They don't want to take the responsibility for getting rid of it. But it's a lot easier to get rid of it and to, than to be, suffer for it. I'll tell you, I can vouch for it through the knowledge of Him that has called us to heaven. No, that's not what it says. Called us to glory and virtue. Mm -hmm. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You couldn't ask for anything better. That by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, not a sinful nature. There's religion. We'll never overcome our sinful nature, they say. It's a lie of the devil, a religious devil. Remember, even the devils believe and tremble. They better be trembling today. That's all I got to say. They better be shaken in their boots because the real word of God is going to go out from this minister here. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That just sums it up right there. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You start with faith, then you are able to move to virtue and to virtue knowledge. And these steps just keep building. These are the steps that Peter outlines. This is how, how it's done right here. This is how. All kinds of religious guys, doctorates up the wazoo, will tell you, you got to do this and you got to do that, but they don't tell you why. Or, more importantly, they won't tell you how. Why? 
They don't know. They don't know their book, first of all. Remember, we were talking about the ignorance back here in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Another part of the word says they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. What does that do for them? Unless they're able to come to the knowledge of the truth, all the learning in the world, <laughs> literally, doesn't do them a bit of good. And to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, self-control, you're able to temper that flesh out. It's going to struggle at first and you'll have, you'll have your little difficulties here and there. You know, oh, well, we all go through things, right? How do you get that out of the way? You just slay it and get it out of the way. Paul said, I die daily. <laughs> I know how to put my body under subjection to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, well, it's like having a, a discipline, right? like martial arts or something. Exactly. You know, you know how to have that discipline. And once that discipline is there, it's so much easier just to, to go through your routine. Once you're disciplined, once you're controlled. I know too, because I, I had to have discipline in my classical piano training. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you, that's a discipline. <laughs> Make a big strapping boy like me shed tears in frustration and whatever else. Oh yeah. <laughs> you go to that, you're sitting there in front of your teacher and she's a 70 year old piano Nazi and she's just working you over. And yeah. And here's a strapping young 20 year old sitting there in tears and just a chocolate mess in front of a little 70 year old woman. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know what does, but whatever, <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> but that's where discipline comes in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it sounds silly. And sometimes it downright is silly. So what? The Lord's got a sense of humor too. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. God's little jokes and God's little uh, accidental oopses are wiser than any of the wisdom of so-called man's knowledge. I like to say one of them was the platypus. They really thought that was an interesting, good one. They fretted about that for years back when they were just discovering that stuff. <laughs> But I digress. <laughs> temperance. And to temperance, patience. Once you've got yourself under control, then you have enough patience to move on and to be an overcomer. And to patience, godliness. This is where it starts getting good. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. It took some steps to get there, didn't it? For, for a lot of people, it, it does. Mm -hmm. The true brotherly kindness he's talking about. Not just philanthropy, empty stuff. And to brotherly kindness, charity, love in action. <laughs> this is a neat ladder to climb. For if these things be in you and abound and are bountiful, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wow, what a relief mm -hmm. to know that we don't have to be lacking anything. Yeah. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what the word says. <laughs> you know what that word says. There's nothing that can stop you. That's right. I could go on and on and on and on, but there's always more where it came from. So we can go ahead and wait on the Lord and pray for some folks. Okay. Yay, saith the Lord, my dear son, Steve. I'm looking for a few good women and men that'll do more than stand up, sit down and say amen. 
soldiers with a tender heart for every sweet soul, and fight the good fight and cut through the ball with unwavering obedience to simply follow me. I promise great adventure and life eternally. Thou art one of those men I see with my eye that will give it your all and not a half-hearted try, a man with compassion and a heart to match that wants full restoration and not just a patch. I'll give it all to thee, my son, as you continue this walk, for I am the faithful God that backs up my talk. The road may be narrow, but it's not too long. When you're full of my spirit, you really can't go wrong. I shall give thee anointing with a single heartbeat as you go down under the water from your head to your feet. I shall give thee a new life, true love, and tender care with a covering and protection like a big she-bear. I have chosen you, my son, a true warrior at heart. I shall mold thee and temper thee to do thy perfect part. I shall give you more love as you've never known before to minister to my young people as you bring them in the door. What you feel today is real, my son, and ready at thy hand as you lay down your life and join my command. Wasn't that awesome? That was called prophecy, and that is the Holy Spirit speaking through an anointed vessel straight from God Almighty. Now, as you heard, there was a reference to a certain person, but look, we get to take on the Word of God. We get to take it on for ourselves. And yes, God is looking for good men and women. No matter what your background, God wants us to know He has the best solutions to heal our heart, heal our body, heal our finances, heal our families, and fill our lives with that love, joy, and peace. And this message will help us do that. This is from John's father, Brother Bob. He is my spiritual grandfather and a true great man of God, a true apostle. Here's his message. It's called Reconciliation. Hello, folks. I have a good message for you today. It's more or less a message of great love to God's people. You know, I love God's people. I love you out there. I love the sinner and I love the ungodly. And I'll love them greater if they'd repent and get to be one of God's people. And today I'm going to tell you how. I'm even going to tell you saved people how to get closer to the Lord. Come with me now in 2 Corinthians 5, the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. God has a wonderful message for you. It's easy to be entreated, and it's easy to entreat God and have a personal relationship with Him. This is what I'd like for you to see every one of you have is a nice, personal relationship with the living God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul taught us how to have this relationship, so let me not make any more ado about it, but get right into the Word and start with the first verse of the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking to those that have already had an experience with God. So you that haven't had one yet, listen carefully now and get one before this program's over. It's for you, okay? For we know that if our earthly house, speaking of our natural body, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, that word heavens here is used as a 
measurement of space or time. I don't preach people into heaven. I preach them into glory. Because the Bible said Jesus ascended above all heavens. And the only thing above all heavens would be glory. So let's go to glory, folks. Let's forget about heaven. Oh, I've got to tell you this. One time in a convention, I was a convention speaker for about 16 years. I was a teacher to ministers. And one of the ministers were just preaching up a storm one day. And he turned around and he said, are you going to heaven with me? And I said, no way. <laughs> I said, oh, no, sir, no way. And he just handed me the microphone. He said, now you explain that to the people out there. There's about 30,000 people sitting out there in the big tent cathedral. And uh, I took the microphone and four hours later, I was still telling them why I wasn't going to heaven, that I was going to go to glory, that I wasn't going to let anything limit me to a lower habitation than what God had for me. I'll minister to you on that some of these days. Listen to this. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven, or from way out there, which is the glorified body that God told us He would give us. He says, You know not what you shall be like, but you shall be like Him, speaking of Christ. For God gives you a body as suits Him after you leave this body. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked, clothed with the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit, we won't be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that for we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. You see, this mortal must put on immortality or put on the Holy Spirit or take on the Holy Spirit or receive the Holy Spirit. That's the immortality that he's talking about here. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. God has given me the earnest of His Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, if I was at home and at peace on this earth in this body, I would be absent from the Lord. But I'm not at peace on this earth in this body. I desire to go on and be with the Lord. So therefore, I know that I am present in His Spirit. We walk by faith and not by sight. And says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now what Paul meant there, we're confident. We are, real true Christians are confident that they are going to meet God as soon as they leave this body. And that they're going to be present with the Lord as soon as they leave this body. I have that confidence. I am persuaded that I'm going to meet my God face to face once and for all once I leave this body, when my day to leave this body comes. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Whether we're present or absent in His presence, we will be accepted with Him. This is what we labor for now on this earth. It's the only thing worth laboring for to tell the truth. That's the only thing I find on this earth that's worth laboring for is to be present with the Lord eternally. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now it says there we're all going to, whether you're a sinner or a saint, you're going to have to appear before Him. So you might as well appear before Him, repented and baptized and ready to go to meet Him. Uh-huh. Be much easier. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see, you're going to have to meet God whether you've done good or evil. You're going to have to give account. 
So you might as well just get ready to get right with the Lord and go to meet him in a righteous way and meet him to be there with him forever rather than to be cast off into the pit of hell. Knowing therefore that the terror of the Lord, which is hell, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. See, I'm trying to get to your conscience today, folks. Some of you out there may not have a conscience. You think. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll get to you sooner or later, whether it be now or when I stand before the judgment seat of God and watch your judgment. I'd rather watch your judgment now. Judge you as a righteous person. See you repent and receive the Lord. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Now there's a lot of people that are glorying before God in appearance, but their hearts are far from Him. Some of you ministers out there are that way. You look and act real righteous and very, ooh, up, ready to go to meet God. But your uh, voice doesn't... Uh, and your actions doesn't confirm that. You're just acting. Well, Jesus called you hypocrites or actors. I'm talking to you ministers today that need to repent and get right with God and start preaching and teaching the Word of God as it's written out of this book instead of getting down and talking to mannequins and dummies. Mm -hmm. Instead of talking about your great buildings and your glass windows and uh, your selling of little stars and your selling of your books and so forth. I think it's time for you to get to reading the Word. Get back to the old landmarks. Get you an old chair and start praying for the sick again and laying hands on the sick and start to pray for those that can't afford to come to your big hospitals and your big churches. Mm -hmm. Invite the poor and the lame and the halt and the maimed and the blind in to be healed. See, you forgot to do that now. You don't do that anymore. I do. <laughs> I'll pray for anybody that comes to me that has a need. I don't care whether they're rich or poor. Now you know. Let's get back to the old landmarks. Now I'm not fighting the preachers. I'm just telling them what thus saith the Lord. God sent me to do that. He didn't send me to have a big Christmas program or a big Thanksgiving program or, or a big New Year's program or this and that program. He sent me just to preach the gospel and send me to entertain you at all. Folks, he sent me to tell you once and for all where you stand, what he thinks of you, and what he expects of you. And that's all I'm going to do. So if you're looking for something fine and fancy out of me, just forget it. <laughs> I'm here. The faith comes by hearing of the word, not by Christmas programs and selling doodads. Mm -hmm. Or begging. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Well, I'm not exactly beside myself at this time, but I'm sober because it's for your cause. <laughs> Very sober. Because I know already in my mind how long eternity is and how hot hell is. Mm -hmm. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, if you don't believe that Christ died for you, you're already dead. But if you believe that Christ died for you and you're enjoying His Spirit, then you're alive. That's how you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And that he died for all. It doesn't make a difference who you are or what you are out there. Some people think that uh, Jesus Christ wasn't for them. And some people don't even believe in Jesus yet. They don't even believe he's come yet. But he has. 
he's come, he's gone, he's come back, and he's still here. He still sends his Holy Spirit. He still baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. He still puts out the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, gentleness, temperance, so on. Uh-huh. He still gives some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. He's still doing it. So then that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now there's a lot of professing Christians today that just say that uh, they just live for themselves. They just say he's just for us and nobody else or for our little group and nobody else. Or get up and just say, well, he doesn't do the things he used to. We're, we, uh, he, he's changed. He sends us to talk to mannequins and dummies instead of about him. He sends us to build buildings and, and to do the natural things instead of preach his gospel. He's changed. No, he hasn't. The Word of God hasn't changed a bit. Just man has changed. He's got rich and fat and sassy and a few other things. But God hasn't changed. Still the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he'll be the same today, yesterday, and forever. I just feel real good. I want to tell you about it. Listen to this. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. See, you have to know Christ after the Spirit. He's no longer after the flesh. He's no longer a fleshly man. He once told his disciples when he was crossing the Red Sea, he, they, he, they were affrighted when he came to the boat. They thought they'd seen a spirit. And he said, a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me. But he's not flesh and bone anymore. He's a spirit. Mm -hmm. He's a spiritual man. He has no blood left in his body. They crucified him, let all the blood out. He's a spiritual man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He made me a new creature. I'm a new creature. I can attest to that. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let me explain that a little bit. Before I was converted, I was 27 years old before I was converted. And I lived 27 years, folks, in this world. And I followed the rudiments of this world. I battled for a house. I battled for a home. I battled for a business. I battled to be a big shot. I battled for, for uh, oh, you might say prestige. I was a social climber. I was trying everything to satisfy my soul. And I finally got to where I had everything money could buy, except one thing. I wasn't happy. <laughs> I was a man most miserable. But then I received the Lord and old things passed away, old desires left me, all my old habits left me, and I became a new creature. Fact of the matter is, I became a new preacher as well as a new creature. I had something else to preach. Before I was converted, I preached big business. After I was converted, I began to preach Jesus, and he took care of the big business for me. <laughs> uh -huh. Some of you preachers ought to start preaching Jesus and let him take care of your big business and get your nose out of big business and get back to Jesus. It would sure do you some good. <laughs> I'm talking to every one of you. I don't care who you are, where you are. You need to get back to preaching Jesus. Preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen. Preach Jesus the healer. Jesus the gift giver. Mm -hmm. Jesus the new creature 
developer. Mm -hmm. Come on. And listen to this. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. I have been given the ministry to teach you people how to be recon reconciled to God and how to reckon that you can be reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is so simple. It's so easy. And don't knock it now until you've tried it. Don't sit there and try to scorn me now. Just listen to me and you'll learn something. It says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconcil reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know what that reconciliation is? Jesus, here am I, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. I'll go be baptized in your name and receive your Holy Ghost. That's the reconciliation spirit. That's the way to do it. That's the way to be reconciled to God. And that's the first step. That's the easiest part of it. After that, God just shows you everything and takes over and you're free. You're free again and forever. Now listen to this. He says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ did, be you recon reconciled to Christ or to God. Be reconciled to God. I'm going to pray that God will reconcile you people to God, especially you young people out there. I love you. Most of my churches are full of young people. I have more young people in my churches than I do anybody else. Mm -hmm. Young single people, young married couples, most of them are all under 30. Fantastic congregations of young people because I have a love for you and they can feel it. You can feel it out there. I love you. Uh-huh. I have a bunch of personal people that are, even my executives are mostly all under 30 years old. All of my executives, except one or two, are under 30 years old. Uh-huh. Pretty near every one of them. My television executives here, my camera people, mm-hmm, my secretaries, pretty near all executive material are under 30 years old. So you young people, take heart now. There's a man here that loves you and that's got the answers for you. I'd like to hear from some of you. Write to me. My name's on the end of the rolls. Listen to this. For he hath made him to be sin for us, speaking of Christ, who knew no sin, Christ knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now there's a statement that beats anything that this world's got to offer. He can make you the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, wouldn't you love to be the righteousness of God? Just think, you can be, according to the Scripture, the righteousness of God, or part of it, the Lord our righteousness. You can be filled with His Spirit and become the righteousness of God. You've never been told that before, have you? Well, this Bible is right here in the 21st verse of the 5th chapter of 2 Corinthians. You see, people... You have got something to look forward to. There is something to God. You. You're the part that He wants. And right now, you're the part that's missing. But not anymore. For you that heard today what I've had to say, it's for you. Let's go on a little further. He says, We then as workers together with Him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. 
For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Folks, today's your day of salvation. Right now, this instant, is your day of salvation, is your time of salvation. Don't you feel good? I feel good. I feel the Spirit. I feel the love and the joy and the peace and the confidence in God. I feel more confident in the Lord now than I've ever felt in my life because I know we're in the end of time and I know God wants every soul that He can possibly get now to turn to Him and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this word, folks, right here in this old book, this is spirit and it is truth. Jesus said, My word, it is spirit and it is truth. It will even convert you for an eternity. Listen to this. It says, Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults and in labors, in watchings and in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. See, it doesn't make any difference where you stand in life, rich or poor, sorrowful or what, God can raise you up to rejoice in Him. <laughs> o America or North America, I'm going to put that there instead of O ye Corinthians. O North America, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. In other words, do your own repenting. Tell God for yourself that you love Him and that you want to love Him. Tell Jesus that you want Him to be your personal Savior. Do it yourself. You young people that want something to do, try this. I dare you. I dare you to try to do what I've told you to do and get away with it before God. Get away without feeling something, without knowing something can't be done if you'll try it from the heart. But if you just want to try go out here to be a smart aleck and try it, it won't work. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from sincerity. Now listen to this. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be you also enlarged. Don't settle for heaven. Don't settle for any bitty Bible stories. Get in there and demand of God a personal experience between you and Him yourself. How's that for a challenge, huh? Did you know that God in His Word says, Command you me? Command ye me. If you don't want to do it before anybody and want to get off to yourself, go somewhere alone and command God to save your soul. Command God to bless you. I dare you to. He doesn't want little itty-bitty Bible story students in front of Him. He wants people that He can have a personal relationship with. He wants you. He wants to be able to talk and minister to you personally. That's the kind of God we're still serving today, folks. One that is personal. Personal. Be your personal God. He's not ashamed to be called your God. 
if you'll come his way and do what I tell you to do out of the scripture here. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath unrighteousness with, un uh, with righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Mm -hmm. And what concord has Christ with Belial, or the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? <laughs> mm -hmm. Get rid of your unbelief. In other words, get rid of your unbelief here and start believing God for what He is and for what I've told you He is today. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, which is your body? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now I'm going to repeat that 16th verse. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in you, and I will be in you, and you shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Isn't that something? God Himself, God Almighty, your Creator, will receive you personally. If you'll decide to do away with the unclean thing, come out from among the sinners and the ungodly, and be separate and have that personal relationship with God. It says, I will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Isn't that some promise? I will be your father, and you will be sons and daughters unto me. You young people that don't have any parents or that don't have any relationship with your parents. Try God. He says right here, I'll do it. The next verse says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You can perfect holiness in the fear of God. Mm -hmm. Well, I see my time is just about gone one more time. Folks, I want you to know that I dearly love you, whether it be young or old, or regardless of what race, creed, or color you are. God loves you. I love you. And I want you to know that I am praying for you. Write to me. Let me know who you are and where you are. If you need to know anything more about the Scriptures or want to know more about being saved or about the gifts of the Spirit or the fruits of the Spirit. Anything you want to know about this Holy Bible concerning your salvation, you write me. I and my staff will endeavor to write and answer you quickly, and we'll give you Scripture for everything concerning your questions. Lord bless you now. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now, and pray for me. Thank you so much for being here. Hope this show blessed you. I know it did us. If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to reach out to the show, if you have questions, if you'd like to get baptized, and you'd like to know how and, and where to do that, reach out to us. You can go to getyourloveon.org. We have a contact tab, and that's where you can reach out to us. We also have an outstanding YouTube video series about the Sermon on the Mount that'll teach you so much. Each video is about 10 to 15 minutes long, and they're all just incredibly packed with really profound knowledge of God. You'll enjoy it a lot. 
and it'll help you grow in your knowledge and grow in your understanding. And of course, it's all free and it will always be free. Hope you have a wonderful week. Lord bless you mightily. That'll do it for us today. you got to speak up and let the world know what makes you different is what they're looking at is just a shell underneath is a glorious treasure the light of christ the answer of hope the holy ghost it's a beauty in your soul one of god's great miracles and it's a fire that burns forever but if you hold that fire within you deprive it oxygen it needs to breathe to speak to others so let it grow and spread just let it grow and spread when you give out your testimony remember every word is holy and there are those who have waited all their words of truth delivered by beautiful you you're the light of christ the answer of hope the holy ghost and it's a beauty in your soul one of god's great miracles it's a fire that burns forever but if you hold that fire within you deprive it oxygen it needs to breathe to speak to others so let it grow and spread just let it grow and spread hey we are merely the envelope and we carry the holy ghost we got to deliver it to It's a beauty in our souls. These are God's great miracles. And they are fires that burn forever. But if we hold these fires within, we deprive them oxygen. They need to breathe to speak to others. So let them grow and spread. Just let them grow spread let these fires grow and spread just let them